0: Please turn your Bibles to Romans twelve six through 18 In your pew Bible, it's page 151 in the New Testament. Verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If, pro- if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful. in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all.
1: With that said, let's turn to God in prayer as we come to the ministry of his word this afternoon. Let's pray. Father in heaven, would you please come and would you please speak to us? We, we recognize, oh God, that we are handling your word. We are handling the sacred and authoritative word of god and may we hear this word with open ears may we hear this word with knees bent and hearts and wills bent before your throne father speak to us and give us hearts to hear and obey i pray in jesus name amen Amen. as we as we begin the ministry of god's word this afternoon i i want to ask the question, what do Facebook friend pages and Twitter followers and like icons and book clubs and chess clubs and churches that have dwindled to 20 people but still gather together every week, to the crowd at the local pub, to the violent street gang, to The true and faithful Church what do they all have in common they all have in common this they are expressions of a basic human impulse to live in community to live in relationship with others people need people in order to survive Yet as we look around us at those particular types of groups that I just listed to one degree or another, you see that they are all imperfect, that they are often dysfunctional, and that at times they are harmful. Why is it that though we have this impulse, people need people, we need community, we end up finding communities to be so very difficult, to be so very challenging? It's not easy, the old preachers I'm not putting myself in that category yet but the 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 older preachers used to quip all the time to dwell above with saints we love Oh, that will be glory to dwell below with saints we know well that's another story and isn't it the truth we long for the day when community is perfect we long for the day when in heaven as the community of god's people those who are faithful in jesus christ in our perfected state we enjoy a perfected community we long for that day but between now and that day well it's another story very often it's a story of conflict and hardship and difficulty and challenge And so what we have decided to do for two or three weeks is to speak into the question what is biblical community what is community life life like in the body of Christ and the text that we have chosen is Romans chapter 12 through chapter 16 this is from start to finish chapter 12 and verse 1 almost exclusively and continuously in one way or another a call to community to community and unity in love and on mission for the gospel but as we saw last week it begins with in Romans 12 and verse 1 an appeal look at the text I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God To present yourselves as a living sacrifice to God Paul appeals to us he urges us he pleads with us to offer ourselves as living sacrifices and then he goes on in the chapters that follow to describe what it means to offer ourselves as living sacrifices to God and as I have just said it means at least in Romans 12 uh, through 16 it means over and over again one way or another it is said that we are to offer ourselves to each other as an expression of offering ourselves to God but Paul says this do this by the mercies of God and we unpacked what that meant last week He is referring back to everything that he has said in chapters 1 through 11. All the mercies of God. The fact that we have been chosen. The fact that we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The the fact that we have been regenerated. We've been born again. We've been given new hearts and new natures. The fact that as a result of that we've been given the gift of faith. And that by faith in Christ... We have been justified. We have been accepted by God. And because we are justified and accepted by God, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And He has reconciled us to God through the death of His Son. And because we are born again, we can now walk in newness of life. And and because we have been chosen by God, we cannot be separated from His love. And because we have been Chosen by God and cannot be separated from His love. We can cry out, Abba, Father. And we can know that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And days coming when we're going to be glorified with Christ. And we're going to be made majestic and awesome in His sight. These are the mercies of God. These are the, if you're a Christian here this afternoon, these mercies have been poured into your life. This, I I, I was just thinking about it as we were singing early. What, What a wonderful word the word mercies is. We have received the mercies of God, not the wrath, not the judgment, not the hostility, not the enmity, not the punishment. We have received the mercies of God in Christ. And now Paul says, by those mercies, because of those mercies, through the strength that those mercies provide for you, offer yourselves to God as a living sacrifice by offering yourselves to one another in love. And so Romans 12 describes for us what that love looks like, what community, life, and love are all about. And this weekend next... I'm going to give you twelve not-so-easy steps, twelve not-so-easy steps toward building community life and love together. Twelve not-so-easy steps toward building community life and love together. And these twelve not-so-easy steps are 12 ways that we need to share with each other or do life together. So let's begin. We'll get through four or five or six of these today. First, first share your passion. Share your passion. Keep your Bibles open. Everything is going to come right from the text here in verses 11 and 12 of chapter 12. What do we read? Paul says, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. I'm struck by the fact that right in the middle of this extended description of community life, Paul inserts these imperatives, these commands. Don't be slothful in zeal. In other words, stay passionate in your love for Christ. Be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord constant in prayer. Isn't it interesting that in the middle of a description of community life, Paul exhorts us to earnest, impassioned devotion to Jesus. What's the connection? The connection is That when we share passion, we are bound together. Think back to February of 2018. There was this strange experience that fell upon the Philadelphia area. Sudden preacher, yeah. Suddenly. Suddenly, there was a spirit of unity. Suddenly, suddenly, and I had several people talk to me about this. They'd be walking the streets of Philly, and and everybody is saying hi, and everybody is friendly. People that you wouldn't have talked to in a million years, all of a sudden, you're hugging. And, And why is it? Because there was a shared passion. And that passion was the eagle. Paul inserts this here because he knows that if we cool off in our zeal, if we lose our passion for Christ, we will lose our passion for each other. Because at the end of the day, it is focus on Christ It is zeal for Christ, it is service for Christ, it is devotion to Christ, it is seeing who He is and what He wants us to be and become and do. It is earnestness and fervency in that that binds us together. Lose the fervency, lose the unity. Lose the passion, lose the community. So what do we need to do? Stay passionate about Jesus. Walk each day of your life determined that no matter what happens, we've heard some good words today about the, the distractions, the things that can creep into our hearts and our lives, that can pull, cool down our hearts, that can make us you know, kind of stand on the outside and not come in. Go after Christ day after day. I'm not meaning to be legalistic, but friends, read your Bibles. Read them with prayer. Read them, Lord, speak to me through Your Word. Show me Your glory. Show me Your beauty. Show me Jesus. Show me Your love. Show me Your majesty. Show me who You are. I want to see You. I want to hear You. I want to know You. I want to love You. I want to know You love me. I want to know it better when I'm done reading today than when I started. Be passionate in your pursuit of Christ. And as you stay zealous and fervent in spirit and then share that passion with others, community is built. Number two, share your welcome. Share your welcome. And folks, in these next few points, it gets intensely practical. This is, this is rubber meets road. Community life this 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 gets right down to the basics. This is how it's done We can talk all day about wanting community life, but if we don't do these things We'll never get community life. This is how it's done share your welcome Look at Romans 14 in verse 1 and then we'll skip ahead to chapter 15 in verse 5 Chapter 14 and verse 1 As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. Welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. And then over to chapter 15 and verse 5 May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. The word welcome, for those who didn't know the don't know the the New Testament was written in Greek and so once in a while you'll hear us say something like in the Greek it says and we're just trying to impress you but actually no we're just trying to help you to see that behind this translation there there can sometimes be hidden gems of truth and this this word welcome the the Greek word is one of those words it literally means to take to yourself to receive in Paul is saying, receive each other in, into your heart, into your life. This is where community life begins. An intentional, a radical, a bold, and impartial receiving of all who have turned from their sin in faith to Christ. No matter who they are, No matter where they come from, no matter what they have done, receive them. Share your welcome. The church is not an exclusive club. The church is not a closed fraternity. The church is not a spiritual clique. The church is not an isolated, secret society. It is the family of God. It is the community of the saints. And there should be no closed and locked doors. The doors should be open. Our arms should be open. And we should receive each other. Jesus is saying, don't turn anyone who loves Jesus away. How, how devoted are we to welcome? How committed are we to invitation and inclusion? Are all kinds of people welcomed into our world I'll put it more pointedly, are all kinds of people welcomed into your world? Christian welcome includes all who love Christ, be they white or black or brown or blue, old or young, Jew or Gentile, married or single, those with kids, those without kids, the chronically afflicted and the hardly afflicted, The ones and the families with special needs and those without them, the rich and the poor, the ones who live in the big house and the ones who have no home at all, the educated and the less educated, the homeschooled and the private and public schooled, the hip and the cool and the ones who look and act like me, the socially active and the socially awkward The second or third generation believer and the the first generation I got saved last week believer. The stay-at-home working mom and the -the go-to-the-office working mom. The one with a squeaky clean record and the one who just got out of jail. The ones leaning to the right and the ones leaning to the left. The body of Christ is to be an inclusive. Everyone who loves Jesus is welcome here experience this means something more than just welcoming on sunday as we're going to see in just a moment it means welcoming into our life looking for strangers and outliers and loners and outcasts looking for those that most people wouldn't be looking for and welcoming them in and by the way do not wait for others to do this for you God does not say welcome others if they welcome you first do it for others and to others and here's a secret the very best way to not feel excluded is to include is to be practicing welcome, share your welcome. It gets even more specific and practical now, third point. Step number three toward building a life of community is this, share your home, share your home. Verse 13, seek to show hospitality seek to show hospitality again a little bit of a uh, little bit of greek work here the 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 term the greek term here is phyloxenia. have you are, does that any of that sound familiar you've heard of xenophobia that is the fear of what strangers the fear of those who are different than me this is a call to xenophobia love friendship and in the scriptures the idea of hospitality is a welcoming into my home those who are strangers those who are different from me those who think differently look differently act differently those whom I don't know this is not having friends into your home Nothing wrong with having friends into your home, but let's distinguish that from biblical hospitality. Having friends in your home is socializing. More power to you, enjoy it. Just don't get it confused with biblical hospitality. Biblical hospitality is having people in your home that are different than you. Having people in your home that are strangers to you. People in your home that are on the outside looking in. It's welcoming them into your home and into your life. And notice notice the word choice. Paul says, seek to show hospitality. It gets very close to what Paul the word Paul uses but I don't think it's quite strong enough the the word the Greek word Paul uses literally means to pursue or chase or go after it with energy with with endurance it's about developing an aggressive pursuit of an open home and an open heart way of life this is a radical commitment to aggressive hospitality and it doesn't say you who are rich or you who are this or you who are that or you that have a big home or this or that No, it is addressed to all of us to all of us pursue hospitality Randy Frisee has written the home has become a place of solitary confinement in order to extract a deeper sense of belonging we must consolidate our worlds into one i love the way it expresses this we've we've all got our own worlds we've all got our own people groups we've all got our own cliques we've all got our own people our peeps our worlds need to be consolidated into one and i'm convinced that biblical hospitality is the God-ordained, God-approved way to overcome our differences, to overcome our classism, and our racism, and our tribalism, and our political partyism, and our cliqueism. I'm convinced that hospitality is the way to turn them into us. It's a way to turn others into we. And we ourselves. It's about turning closed doors and thick walls into open windows of human experience and expansion. Friends, go after people in the church that you don't know, go after them with hospitable love and grace. Go after folks in the church who need a place to be. Go after people in the church who are different than you. Go after people in the church who don't think like you. Go after people in the church who don't seem to fit in. Go after those in the church who are strangers to you and invite them. Invite them into your home. Invite them to your table. Break bread with them. Share a meal with them. Welcome them, not just in theory or with a hand clap on Sunday in church. Welcome them into your heart and into your home. Because Paul says that we are to pursue this and chase after this, I'm convinced that this is meant to be intentional. It is meant to be something structured into our lives. It's got to be something that we are committed to. So can I suggest four ways to pursue this. First, plan frequency. Plan frequency. What I mean by that is, take a look at your life, take a look at your family, take, take a look at the true legitimate needs of your marriage and of your children and, and, and notice what the limitations are, okay? Uh, we have these True priority commitments that we have to keep, take a look at that, and then take a look at the things that are not absolute priorities. Parents, you don't have to give your kids every single privilege under the sun. It may well be that they would be better served by sitting at the table with you with somebody they don't know than that they have another club to go to or extracurricular to be involved in. Just a couple of weeks ago, I hesitate to share this, but uh, a month or so ago now, our oldest son uh, sent us a text, I think it was, recommending a book on hospitality. You may be familiar with uh, Rosario, last name Butterfield. And our, our son attached to this text this comment, Dad and Mom this book is your life and I thought about have thought about since then and realized yes by the grace of God we've we've had the privilege of having several people live in our home for extended periods of time we've had addicts that were recovering we've had abused women live with us so that they'd be protected from abusers. We've had a single guy needing a home. We've had an aging and dying former alcoholic and drunk living in our home. Sometimes you wonder, but how does that affect children? Well, our children have risen up and said, thank you. Thank you. I'm not trying to be boastful, I'm just trying to... Ex- Folks, as we take risks, as, as we we take bold steps in commitment to these things, we will realize that there is tremendous blessing. There is tremendous blessing, Plan frequency. How many times a month can you open your home to somebody? And don't get it all confused and muddied by thinking, wow, hospitality means I have to pull out my finest china and I have to put on this massive spread. No, serve peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It doesn't have to be fancy, it just has to be real. It doesn't have to be big and shiny and, and, and all of your finest. It can be simple and warm and affectionate and authentic. Plan the frequency, how often? Secondly, plan inclusion. What I mean by that is recognize who needs it. Who needs hospitality? Look for those who are alone. Look for those who have no place to be. Look for those who are here on Sunday and they're here with us, and they think, okay, this is my this is my community. But then throughout the rest of the week, they have virtually no connection to that community. Where, where are they fitting in our lives? Plan inclusion. here's a, here's a question. The holidays are coming up. What I'm talking about is much more than just holidays, but it's a good place to start. Do you have any extra seats and chairs at your holiday Thanksgiving table? Any spots not filled? Think about hospitality. Who can you invite? Are there people here that are thinking ahead to Thanksgiving, thinking ahead to Christmas, thinking ahead to special days and holidays, thinking I have no table to sit at. We want to ask you to make sure to let us know. We want to make sure there's nobody celebrating the holidays alone. If you have no table to sit at with others, with family or people dear to you, please let us know please let us know and if you have extra seats at your table please let us know. Let's make sure that we're practicing hospitality. Plan frequency, plan inclusion, plan diversity. Ask yourselves the question how do we plan hospitality to stretch us far beyond our own kind or color or class. Plan mission and ministry ask yourselves how do we draw our neighbors and our co-workers into our community around our table plan for it or else most likely it won't happen share your home and your table fourth share in your brothers and sisters needs share in and i've chosen that little term there on purpose share in your brothers and sisters needs look at verse 13 Paul says contribute to the needs of the saints once again it's helpful to to take a little bit of a glance at the language Paul uses and the words Paul uses the word contribute is actually the word that some of you will recognize this word koinoneo it's a word for fellowship it's the word for sharing it means to fellowship with or to share in and grammar here it's a present active participle and that means it's an ongoing continuous action you could translate this be continually sharing in the needs of the saints and the idea that paul has in mind here is not just contribute to people who have needs but share in those needs. John Murray writes this, it is true that if we comply with this exhortation we shall distribute and impart our possessions to the needs of the saints. But though this is implied as a consequence the precise thought does not appear to be that of sharing with the saints but of participating in or sharing in the needs of the saints. The meaning therefore would be that we are to identify ourselves with the needs of the saints in such a way as to make them our own. We are to enter into each other's needs in such a way that those needs are no longer just your needs, they're my needs too. It reminds me of Hebrews 13. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you are also in the body. Are you hearing? what the writers of Scripture saying. When you think about brothers or sisters that are in prison or people who are in need, don't think of them as being separate from you. Realize that they are members of your body. That, that if they are in need, if, if Sally is hungry, I'm hungry. And if, and if Henry has no place to live, there's a part of me that has no place to live. Their needs are my needs. And Paul is exhorting us to that kind of generosity. It's not just a generosity of giving to those in needs. It's a generosity that says, I am all in with the body of Christ. So if I hear this week that a, a member of this church has a need, I can't dismiss it as their problem. I can't just pray about it. I have to treat it as my problem and my need and it makes a difference doesn't it if i if i realize that that it's my need then i'm much more likely to do something about it and that's what paul is getting at here share in the needs of the saints and then fifth share your life moments share your life moments Look at verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. In New Testament community life in the body of Christ, brothers and sisters need to enter into what I call the tears and cheers chapters of life. We are to give happy cheers when others are blessed and happy and we are to share grieving tears when others are afflicted. We are to enter into and share life moments. Life in community shares life's joys. To rejoice with those who rejoice means that I am close enough so that when happy life moments come to those around me, I am able to smile and rejoice along with them. i not about you, but I find rejoice with those who rejoice harder than weep with those who weep. I find compassion relatively easy But rejoicing with others' joy means that I cannot envy what they're having, I need to enjoy what they're having. Have you ever had moments where maybe you've looked on Facebook and you've seen somebody post something where, Wow, there's all kinds of good stuff going on there and their family is all blessed and they're, they're, uh, you know, they're getting together with friends and everybody just looks like they're having a good time and you're sitting there wondering, I'm not sure how I like this. I'm not in on this. Somehow I feel left out. Oh, brothers and sisters, we are called and commanded to put away envy and to enjoy what is going on in other people's lives. Talk about a test of love, huh? Talk about a test of love. Talk about self-denial. It's not about me. Wow, this brother or sister just got a promotion. This brother or sister is happily married. This brother or sister has a beautiful house. This brother or sister just had this or that or some other thing. Oh, Lord, thank you for what you, how you have blessed them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. A baby's born, a wedding happens, a promotion happens, spiritual growth happens, grace is overflowing in people's lives. Bad habits are being broken, sins are are being defeated. Cheer. Cheer. These are the cheer moments of life. Be a part of them in each other's lives. And there are tear moments of life. There are are times when there are death, there's loss, there's injustice, there's disease, there's disappointment. We need to enter into that. When others weep, we need to weep along with them. Oh, this takes commitment, folks. There's a whole lot different, isn't it, than walking in here on Sunday afternoon, spending an hour and a half, and then walking out. This is about a life lived in community with others in such a way that their joys become mine, their sorrows become mine. Maybe you can see how these things can fit together, right? Welcome, share a welcome, share your table, share your table. Create in your conversations what I I think I'm going to be calling the cheers and tears updates. Cheers and tears updates. I'm beginning to think maybe we need these in our community groups. Maybe once a month we take a bit of time and just, okay, what are the cheers and tears updates? What blessings have you enjoyed this month? Let's share them and let's celebrate them. What are the tears that you've had? Oh, may, may we care enough to enter that deep into each other's lives. And finally, share your truth. Share your truth. It's actually his truth, but it's his truth given to you. Romans 15 and verse 14, I am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Share the truth, share your truth. You know what? If we're gonna have community life that's rich and wonderful, I'd recommend that we make a good, deep, personal study of Romans 1 through 11, so that our hearts are full of the truth of the gospel, so that when we do chapters 12 through 16, we will have truth and knowledge to impart to others. Learn all the glories of the gospel that you can possibly learn so that you can share those when you're with others. Share the truth of the gospel. Share the truth of Christ. These are how we build community together. Sharing our passions, sharing our welcome, sharing our homes, sharing our brothers' and sisters' needs, sharing our life moments, and sharing our truth brothers and sisters this is the word of god i think you can see that every point is taken from the text i haven't made any of it up if you have a quibble with it or a quarrel with it don't come to me go to him this is the word of god oh but what a vision what a vision what a vision it is so fitting that we close our time today with communion. As the ushers prepare and begin to distribute the bread in the cup, there's a phrase, I don't know if you noticed it, but in chapter 15 and verse 7, we are told to welcome to one another high. Ah. As Christ has welcomed us, think about that. How does he welcome us? Freely. great.